0: This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross.
1: And I'm Aaron Granillo. President Donald Trump seemed to downplay the severity of the COVID-19 outbreak over the weekend, saying some people who catch the virus, in his words, have the sniffles. He was speaking with Fox News.
2: Don't forget, I guess it's like 99.7%. People are going to get better. And in many cases, they're going to get better very quickly. We go out and we look, and then on the news, look, if you go back to the news, all of your, even your wonderful competitors, you'll see cases are up. Well, cases are up. Many of those cases shouldn't even be cases. Cases are up because we have the best
1: testing in the world. I, saw, I heard that 99.7% statistic. I hadn't heard it that high before. So mm-hmm. I just did a quick Google search and I found that story. Uh, it looks like it came up from the University of Iowa's healthcare system. So doctors there monitored 525 people back in May, only found one patient there died from COVID-19. Nine were admitted to the hospital. So uh, in that case, yeah, in in Iowa back in May, recovery rate was very good uh we can tell you here in washington at least uh, our latest confirmed cases show that the death rate here is at about three percent so technically 97 percent here in washington state are recovering and at one
0: point during the fox news interview chris wallace asked the president about the white house campaign to try to discredit dr fauci
2: dr fauci at the beginning And again, I have a great relationship with him. I spoke to him at length yesterday. Dr. Fauci at the beginning said, this will pass. Don't worry about it. This will pass. He was wrong. Dr. Fauci said, don't ban China. Don't ban China. I did. He then admitted that I was right. But you made mistakes, too. I guess everybody makes
0: mistakes. I was going to say, you said at one point. Then he plays some clips from the archives. It's one person
2: coming in from China. And we have it under control. It's going to be just fine. I think we're going to be very good with the coronavirus. I think that at some point uh, that's going to sort of just disappear, I hope.
0: And now we go back to the interview.
2: I'll be right eventually. (laughs) I will (laughs) be right eventually. You know, I said it's going to disappear. I'll say it again. It's going to disappear. Does that discredit And I'll be right. I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. You know why it doesn't discredit? Because I've been right probably more than anybody else. Then there are masks. Question. The CDC says if everybody wore a mask for four to six weeks, we could get this under control. Do you regret not wearing a mask in public from the start? And will you consider a national mandate that people need to wear masks? No, I want people to have a certain freedom. And I don't believe in that. No. And I don't agree with the statement that if everybody wear a mask, everything disappears. With that being said, I'm a believer in masks. I think masks are good. But uh, I leave it up to the governors.
1: And that has been the administration's response and stance pretty much from the beginning, saying it it, it wants to leave the response into the hands of states. Uh, But do we need a coordinated federal response at this point to the virus?
0: Well, if that's what would convince people to wear masks, um, I guess it would help. But, of course, there's a a debate there, depending on the state. You heard uh, some of the governors say... Sure, they believe in wearing masks, but they also feel that based on the way their own populations react, if there were a mandate, it would just invite defiance. So they think it's better not to mandate and uh, say, we trust you to be grownups and wear your masks without us forcing you to.
1: You're seeing this also with the Department of Education and uh, Secretary Betsy DeVos, too. So she's saying schools need to open, but then also saying Every school has to make its own decision. Here's White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany on that.
3: The president has said um, unmistakably that he wants schools to open. And I was just in the Oval talking to him about that. And when he says open, he means open and full kids being able to attend each and every day at their school. Uh, the science should not stand in the way of this. Uh, and as Dr. Scott Atlas said, I thought this was a good quote. Of course, we can do it. Everyone else in the Western world, our peer nations are doing it. We are the outlier here.
1: I know, Mackie. And he had some uh, pushback on saying the, the the science should not get in the way of our decision to reopen schools. Dave, well, I'm not sure exactly what she meant by that, but I she
0: I'm going to be generous and say she thinks we're a smart enough country that we can figure out a way scientifically to make schools. Safe. And, and I think you're seeing that around the country. Nobody wants schools to be the source uh, of an outbreak. So they're looking at ways to distance kids by either going to split shifts. They're looking at ways to teach kids to uh, wear masks, just make it a, a habit, which uh, again and again seems to be rising to the top as the best way to do this.
1: Once the nation's epicenter of the outbreak, New York City is moving to phase four of its reopening.
2: It's a day for good news. Our hospitalizations are at the lowest level since March
3: 18th.
1: That is Governor of New York Andrew Cuomo. Most of the state outside New York City has been in Phase 4 for weeks. He praised New York's efforts since the start of the outbreak, saying the state's infection rate and also positivity rate is holding steady at about 1%.
0: Despite, though, lifting the restrictions, he had some harsh words for certain New York City residents who have been seen ignoring social distancing rules at bars over the weekend.
2: It's stupid what you're doing. It is stupid. Well, that's not a governmentally appropriate word. It's a true word. Don't be stupid. That is good advice in life.
0: And he said if people, don't stop gathering.
2: If it happens, I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to have to roll back the opening plan. And we're going to have to close
1: bars and restaurants. Dave, you still have family friends back in New York. What have they been telling They're Italians. They love to (laughs) gather.
0: (laughs) Whenever whenever we get together as the extended family, you know, uh, last time we did it, it's been years now, but they rented out a restaurant. We had like 30 people there, you know, sharing a meal and dancing and and whatnot. But of course, that has changed since. I mean, my my sister and her husband and uh, my niece and her husband both tested positive. But none of the four of them needed hospitalization. I'm I'm pretty sure they're still being careful, especially knowing that you can catch it uh, a second time. But clearly, yes, you live in a city, uh, especially in in um, at least the the Italian neighborhoods I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. People like to get together.
1: Cuomo is Italian too, mind you. So yes, he is. Not I noticed that. To... Yeah, you know, I feel like the the lesson to take away from New York too is people aren't going to take it seriously until it hits their doorstep. I mean, New York was hit so hard in the beginning, and they were the first city and area out there where you saw, you know, the refrigerated trucks yeah. showing up to essentially act as morgues and and, and hospitals as being overwhelmed. And until that happens, unfortunately, people don't take it seriously.
0: But it shows you that once you do decide to take it seriously— even in a city as densely populated as New York, you can take control back, which I mm-hmm. think it's amazing that their infection rate has dropped so low, yeah. given how crowded new york city is but i think I think that 's what it is it was a they had that sober up moment when the hospitals were overflowing, and the morgue trucks were arriving saying, "Oh we'd better wear masks and they did and apparently it's worked. That may be the key to why there hasn 't been a nationwide response because not every city in the country has had that, that same reality moment that New York City had. They call themselves the long haulers, some of the earliest COVID-19 patients who are still dealing with the physical consequences of the
1: disease every day. Even months later, it's unclear how many of these long haulers are out there, but thousands of people of all ages are flocking to online support groups and sharing similar experiences. Many have never been hospitalized, their cases are classified as mild, but their persistent symptoms are shifting our understanding of the disease and its long term impacts. And it's becoming clear from their stories that COVID nineteen can cause far more symptoms than first suspected. Science reporter Ed Young says
3: a bunch of these long haulers have done a survey of themselves, asking what their symptoms were like over time, and if you compare two groups of those people, the ones who have a positive COVID nineteen test and the ones who have not, their patterns of symptoms are exactly the same. So. Two possibilities then. Either they both have COVID, which seems pretty likely, or one group has some other completely mysterious virus that happens to be going pandemic at exactly the same time and produces exactly the same symptoms. Either way, there is a big medical issue to solve. More likely, they are suffering from some kind of prolonged immune reaction to the virus that was once in their bodies, that they have... Um, that their immune system in an attempt to fight the infection has gone berserk and is continuing to overreact. But honestly, we don't know.
0: That uh, last expert you're talking to, he doesn't Mm. really believe that there is another (laughs) copycat virus out there, does he? Because that would really be scary.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I think, you know, all science points to these patients, these long haulers certainly are dealing with long term impacts. And as you heard from him, the main theory right now that's being discussed, the most likely theory is that the fact is, this is a brand new virus. Nobody on Earth has ever had ever been exposed to it eight months ago, and some people's immune systems just haven't had a chance to recover. They went berserk, as he said.
2: Have they been able to delineate who is more susceptible mm. to having these long term effects? Do they have anything in common?
1: No, mm. and, that, and that's the most frustrating part. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I spoke to a a rehabilitation doctor at Harborview too in the in the longer version of this story. And unfortunately, it's random is what it seems like. He spoke to a gentleman who's in his 30s who was bench pressing 200 pounds a few months ago. And he tells me the story of that. Now that same man is standing up for a minute and he's trembling. So, yeah, I mean, it's random who it affects. And I think that's the most concerning part of this virus, too.
0: This is the other thing to to consider when you're talking about a flu vaccine, just ordinary flu. Mm -hmm. If you look up the flu, it too can have long-term effects because exactly. of, the, of how much energy it takes the body to, to fight off the infection. And one of the first things to go, they say, is uh, just what Colin was talking about, that muscle tone.
1: Exactly. And I think that was one of my main missions with this story is to try to explain that, you know, here we focus a lot on the mortality rate and the death rate. And you hear, you know, even the president say over the weekend on Fox News that, you know, we have a 99.7 percent recovery rate. And that's a good thing, right? But then you also have to look at some of the the specifics in that 99% population. And for a portion of them, a lot of them won't be okay long-term. The doctor I spoke with at Harborview, he speaks of people who have developed what's known as acute respiratory distress syndrome. That's, I think it's like 30 to 40% of patients who end up in the hospital will develop ARDS. Of those patients, there are studies out there that show half of them within five years will not be back to work. So over time, we will really learn how severe this disease was, not just in terms of of the death rate, but also in terms of the people who have technically recovered and survived this disease. So this idea that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger Mm. is bogus. I think in this case, uh, for the long haulers, indeed. Yes. Yeah. And if you want to hear the full version of this long hauler story, you can check it out right here on this podcast. It came out on Saturday, and it should be right behind this daily version of our podcast.